March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Yup, that tournament. Make sure to head online to betonline.ag and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness contest starting March 15th. That's right, I said $100,000 on March 15th. You don't need to be hardcore to get in on the action, and with multiple entries available, it's the season's best chance to cash in. And remember, the NBA and XFL are still going strong, so whatever your passion is, betonline.ag is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, betonline.ag, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use that promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, for your 50% sign-up bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. What's up, everybody, and welcome to Land Parties, presented by BetOnline.ag. I am your host, Lucas Agin, and joining me, as always, is Ryan. Ryan, how's it going today? It is. It has been a long day. Uh, we're a day late on recording the uh, podcast. It's been super busy. Uh, however, it's been super productive. A lot of news in uh, gaming this week. Uh, we've got some some celebration uh, of, of a game. Uh, some league play, and then um, uh, Riot, Riot and their FPS game. Dude, I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah, let's just jump right in. Riot Games is is putting a very strong foot forward here in a couple di- different arenas. Of course, the big one is Valorant. There are new game coming out this summer. Ryan, what were your initial thoughts about the trailer here? So I, I knew that this game was coming. I remember, uh, I can't even remember what conference it was, but they talked about diving into different uh, genres of games. We knew that an FPS was coming out. Uh, I totally forgot about the the card game that, that also uh, just came out as well. Uh, but Valorant, uh, I really wasn't sure what to expect. Uh, rumors had it that it was going to be something that kind of rivaled in Overwatch. But after watching it, it, it I definitely get a, a, a Counter-Strike uh, feel to it. The build of it is very similar. Uh, looks like the play style of it is similar. 5v5 as well. This is definitely a game, you know, I, I don't play, like I played Counter-Strike back in the day when I first started like online gaming um, uh, my freshman year in college. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, yeah, I started out playing Counter-Strike. So I'm familiar with that and I'm an FPS player. Uh, so I will absolutely be be checking it out and and trying this game out. If hopefully I have the opportunity, Riot Games, send me a copy. Holla at your boy. Um, <laughs> uh, but no, this I mean it it looks cool. Um, it looks like something that definitely people are going to to play it. I could see it potentially you know dipping into now another competitive scene or building out another league uh, that that uh, revolves around this game. I, I think it's smart what Riot's doing i mean they've been able to to be successful basically off of league of legends the fact that they're now you know they're i think they're and i don't know you know because again i I think league of legends has a huge shelf life because there's so many champions and and there's you know they're they're constantly working on that game but the fact that they're going in they're diving into uh different genres of games i think is exciting uh if they're able to do anything or even even partially what they've done with league of legends uh you know i think we're going to continue seeing the success of riot games and i'm excited to see them uh throw their hat in the ring 
Yeah, you know, it, it definitely brought back the CS vibes, reminded me of in college, running Counter-Strike on my laptop in my dorm room. It's it's exciting to see. Uh, I'm always excited to see a developer like Riot take a stab at a new genre, see what they can bring to the table, and see uh, what new ideas they have in store. And obviously, like you were saying, they've got this, the track record with League and everything they've done with uh, the the professional league with league, and so I mean, obviously, the infrastructure seems like it would be in place that uh, a lot of other games wouldn't have to build off the bat. The one slight worry I would have is I just don't want this to be another good game that's just like Counter Strike. Like Counter Strike is still a great game, you know. Obviously, tons of people still play it; it's still going strong. So it, I just don't want this to be just another CS in a different skin. And I don't think it will be. Uh... You know, we we know that there's going to be some sort of abilities that these characters will have. So even right there, you already have a variation or a different variation uh, of that or something, a new element uh, introduced to it. Plus, I mean, look at the lore and all the stuff that they've built. I mean, just through League, you'd be I think you'd be foolish not to think that they've got some fun things up their sleeves. And right now they're you know, they've got a base of a game right now. I think now is to get it into people's hands. Uh, get them playing it, get their feedback, and and I think this is this is always a fun thing about about new games coming out and stuff like that too. Is you get to kind of see how a publisher or a developer, uh, you know, how they respond to their community. Are they listening to the feedback that their community is giving them, or are they just saying, "Nah, we just needed to, you know, figure out some bugs." And then and then when it actually releases, you know, is it going to be clean, or are we going to have a Fallout seventy six where they just let <laughs> basically let it fall apart? Yep. Um, you know, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see just you know as this continues. Um, cause this is supposed to come out summer of 2020. Correct. So they're already pretty deep into development within this game, even though we, we recently or more recently heard about it, you know, they've fleshed out, you know, there's, there's a, a solid base game there and then it's just getting in the hands of other people. Um, I know according to this hype beast, uh, article here, it says there's going to be four maps, uh, will arrive day one, and matches are set to take roughly 30 minutes or more. That's the part that I'm just like, ooh, 30 minutes or more. I was like, you say you're touting this game as a fast-paced game, but one match takes 30 minutes? That sounds like a league game. It does, you know, and it can be limiting. I mean, look, I would love to spend more time playing games, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Wouldn't I we can't. all? Wouldn't we all, right? <laughs> My time's very limited. So I think, you know, if there is an initial roadblock they might find is sometimes it's hard for me to find that stretch of time or want to commit that amount of time. Sometimes I just want to game for a couple minutes, 10, 15 minutes at a time, where then I have to go do something real quick and come back. So, you know, if it if a match is lasting 30 plus minutes, that can be limiting for some people. Absolutely. I mean, that was one of the issues that I had playing like leagues and MOBAs and stuff like that. It's like, I know I'm going to be tied and locked into that for a good 45 minutes, half an hour, 45 minutes up to an hour, maybe longer. Uh, you know, if you don't have that kind of dedicated time or you're just trying to pop on and you know i can do that with overwatch i can go in and do a couple of uh mystery hero matches you know and then pop off i gotta go do things um so yeah we'll see i i i'll be i wouldn't be surprised if that number doesn't change or if maybe they figure out a way to speed up uh the action uh, again i don't know if this is if this is going to have any kind of uh um, objective uh, based gameplay in it or is this strictly going to be 5v5 uh, you know uh, stay alive or, or or get got 
Um, I, I think dipping in a, a little bit into the uh, the nerdy techie side of things, uh, they're talking about having 128 tick servers, at least 30 frames per second on most min spec computers, even dating back to a decade, uh, which is nice. Uh, 60 to 144 frames per second on modern gaming rigs and a global spread of uh, data centers aimed at uh, 35 milliseconds for players in major cities around the world. So it's going to be I mean, I think it's going to be blazing fast, it sounds like. It is, and you know, being able to to run on older computers is couldn't is nice only because you know I think we tend to forget sometimes that that when you first start gaming, finding a, a rig that can run these games is probably the most daunting thing, both cost wise and just when you when you've never built your own PC before, you know, you're coming in just just completely new. That's not a simple task at first, and so like if the more accessible you can make the game and kind of introduce them slowly kind of allow a, a wider audience to dip their toe into gaming and then they can kind of continue on from there you know it only helps the industry as a whole yeah yeah it does um I, i've got a question here do we know is this going to be a free-to-play game or does this month does this cost does this, is it going to cost us to play it i believe it's a free-to-play it's free-to-play who so okay what do we know about free-to-plays there's going to be <laughs> microtransactions right I think that's going to be another contributing factor then on, you know, how they go about structuring that system on whether this game is going to be successful or not. We've we've seen it seen it plenty of times where uh, microtransactions destroy a game before it even comes out just because people are like, what are you what are you talking about? Like, you know, clearly you are. And not only that, but those aren't even free to play games. Those games were triple A games that you purchased. And then they said, oh, yeah, by the way, also microtransactions. Nobody likes that. Um, I think It'll have a chance of being more successful with it being free to play, kind of like a uh, uh, kind of like what Fortnite did. Although you know, I I bought Save the World before there was a battle royale, um, but uh, you know, I just had to throw it in there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I flex you, to you, by the way. Um, but yeah, that's you know, we'll see how that plays out because that's always going to be a curious uh, part that people are going to look at is is you know, how do the microtransactions work and do they make sense. You know, among my friends, our consensus has been we're okay paying for cosmetic things or, you know, special gear and whatnot, as long as it doesn't feel like pay to win. And so, you know, there's always that fine line. Uh, I would say, you know, with what Fortnite does with their season passes and whatnot, um, probably is is what I think they would do something like that. If I had to guess right now, obviously, we, ne- we never know. But yeah, as long as it doesn't feel like you're paying to gain a significant play advantage, then I think they'll be okay. I'm the same way. It's like if, if people want to spend money on digital cosmetics, go for it. Knock yourself out. Um, but when you start having to pay to be able to, they start putting like characters or or weapons or things that are going to give you an advantage and the people that have the money you know, are able to get that advantage and then others aren't, you know, I, I feel like it becomes very unfair uh, and it's not really a game that, that uh, I look at playing because I'm just like, I'm not going to pay to to try to win this game. Let it be based off a of skill, uh, not not how much money I have in my bank account so I can throw it to you so you can give me the latest and greatest. You know, I do want to bring up one, one question to you, Ryan. Mm. So obviously between Valorant and their card game, which is... Legends of Runeterra, I believe. Okay. Something like that. Um, Riot obviously is making some huge plays into other spaces where there are some established players. 
do you see Riot having success? Is there is there any possibility that they might be trying to stretch their teams too thin? And, you know, especially in, in the digital card game space, Hearthstone is dominated for so long. Mm-hmm. You know, Magic just went, I think their official release, I know they were in beta for a while, I think Magic just released the, earlier this year, if I'm not mistaken. So you're finally seeing some competition in that space. But do you have confidence in Riot to do well in these different genres? Or do you think there's a chance they might be spreading too thin? Uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough to say. Obviously, a lot of these people have been dedicated to one game, you know, within this entirety. So I think it's nice to be able to see them. Uh, and I, I'm sure on their end, too, for them to be able to have the opportunity to work on something different, um, you know, and then hopefully they can scale up or down uh, as they see fit. But, I mean, again, you don't accidentally make a game like League and, and you know, <laughs> you know one of the most popular games in the world and not be able to, to hopefully replicate some of that formula or replicate some of that success uh, and then take that into other areas. Again, they're going into spaces that are pretty crowded right now, mm-hmm. but you got to think about it. League is huge. Yep. They're going to convert some of that fan base is going to go over and get these game games sorry uh specifically because it's by riot mm-hmm. and and they are complete you know they are fans they will support them in whatever now if, if if they turn out to be solid games i think that's going to be you know that'll be in a later episode of, of land parties we'll make sure we circle back and and let you know if it's trash or if it's the real deal Exactly. Yeah, it'll be fun to watch. I mean, like I said, a company like Riot, it's exciting to see their new projects come out. Pleasantly surprised that it that Valorant is a summer release. That yeah. that's I love it as opposed to who knows when it's coming out. Right, right. So yeah, it'll be fun. It'll be fun. So do you think they've already worked on this game? So do you think they already have next gen console versions of this game? They have to, right? I'm sure they do, yeah. right? Yeah, I would. I mean, they. I, it would be foolish not to. You know, it's there. You know, it's coming. Uh, they have to have worked on that stuff, uh, and and that's probably what they're doing now. Um, in this time, is making sure that everything is working not only for the release on the, the current consoles and PC, but uh, for the next gen consoles uh, as well. And just a little side note, real quick, I just wanted to sneak this in there. Uh, the the Final Fantasy VII remake <laughs> is out, and it is gorgeous. I started playing it last night, and oh my god, dude, I, I am so excited for it to come out. It it's it's amazing. It, it looks it looks it feels. Everything about it so far is amazing, and, and mind you, I, I do love uh, the Final Fantasy series, but that one is my 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 favorite. Here, here's the cynical gamer inside of me. How many games is this going to be? Uh, they were talking about, so they were talking about doing it. So I think it is going to end up still being, and I'm doing hypothetical quotes, um, <laughs> four discs, uh-huh. um, four episodes, right. essentially. So I'm guessing, you know, the base game will come out. And then they'll probably drop them as DLCs. But okay. my understanding is the full thing is supposed to be over essentially four different episodes. So would it bother you if story-wise the base game ends on, on a cliffhanger uh, and there are certain certain story beats where they could potentially do that and then have the rest of the story come in as DLC? 
Uh, well, I, I'm already anticipating something like that. Uh-huh. Um, whether they leave it off as cliffhangers or they they wrap it up all nicely and then oh now now chapter two starts or right. whatever. However they play, it doesn't matter to me. I'm gonna throw <laughs> the money at it. I've already decided it. They can take my wallet. They can have it. Uh, I'm buying them all. So however they want to give it to me, I will consume it. There you go. There you go. Well, you know what? Talking about one classic game is a nice transition into another classic game. Uh, So last Thursday, the 27th of February was Pokemon Day. Mm. And I just wanted to touch base on this because, man... Pokemon changed my life in a lot of ways. You know, we talked about this before. That was my first real video game on my nice little Game Boy playing uh, special Pikachu edition, the yellow version. And oh my goodness, man, like (laughs) that game just continues to be addicting. It's possibly the only game that I've come back to sequel after sequel, iteration after iteration, and it just grabs me every time. And it is one of those rare games that you see you know, older people now who are parents can play it. Their their kids are getting into it and liking it just as much. It's rare to see a game span generations like that. No, you're right, and it's it's funny because I I and even though I was gaming <clears throat> during that time, that came out in '96. I never owned a Game Boy number one, so that probably had a big uh, big uh, reason why I never actually played any Pokemon's. Um, I didn't play until Pokemon Go came out, and again, that gave me a reason to go out and and we'd go on walks and and this and that. So it was fantastic. I was able to get into the world. I understand why people enjoy it. I mean, you got a you got the the Pokedex, what eight hundred plus uh, characters. That's you know, again, that's huge. That's a, a huge variety. But I, I think it is it, it, it's crazy how you know it 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 how it started and and how it has spanned over multiple generations, and it continues to be just as popular. As when it first came out, it is it is something like that is you, you, you got to tip your hat off uh, to to, you know, anything that's that's able to kind of transcend time and and, uh, you know, be able to capture the love of, of millions, uh, uh, you know, throughout. You know, I remember playing on my Game Boy and, you know, between that and the card game and the TV series, obviously it just, it came to the States in a big way. And I remember with those link cables, busting it out with friends, trading Pokemon, battling each other. It was like a my first truly social video game um, experience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, that, I mean, thank goodness connectivity has come a long ways from then. But, you know, even then, just getting your friends together, figuring out who had what Pokemon, you know, getting the different versions, trading so you could complete your Pokedex. I mean, it, it brought you together in ways that, especially back then, uh, people didn't think of video games being able to do. Right. And uh, according to nationaltoday.com, the so here's they kind of broke out a little timeline and and it's probably not even accurate or not not, not it's not not accurate. It does, I think it's missing a bunch of things. Uh, but they have August 28, 1965, uh, Satoshi Tahiri is born, the man who would launch a worldwide phenomenon. Uh, the inventor of Pokémon is born in Tokyo. Uh, 1995, February 27th, Pokemon Meets the World, the first Pokemon media, Pokemon Red and Green, a pair of video games for original Game Boy are released. And I'm going to come, I'm going to swing back on that here, uh, in a second. Uh, 10th birthday, uh, February 7th, 2016, Pokemon celebrates its 10th birthday with an advertisement aired during Super Bowl 50. The 20, uh, January 2018, the first live action movie came out of it. And then November 2019 is when it ported over to, uh, to the, uh, uh, Switch. Um, 
something I wanted to ask a question about, and I always kind of, you know, again, kind of being an outsider of the uh, Pokemon world, why is it that they drop multiple games at the same time? Can you explain that to me a little bit? Because I, I never understood that. I feel like you would almost be splitting either, well, no, nah, I guess you're super fans, you're going to get both of them. But I feel like, you know, someone that couldn't afford it, you might be splitting them a little bit. So, you know, for a lot of times in the past, they would come out with three versions. They'd come out, <laughs> they'd come out with two initially, and then a special edition of mm-hmm. that generation would come out a little bit later. So let me just say the business side of it is it forces you to buy more games. Yeah. Um, you know... So in the past, each version of Pokemon would have certain Pokemon that were only available in that game. Hmm. So not there wouldn't be one version where you could compl- get every Pokemon available in that version. So it um, probably still all goes back to business, but there, there were just certain specific Pokemon. Um, so for instance, in Sword and Shield, um, the, the two legendary Pokemon there, the ones that are on the cover of the games, you can only get in Sword or Shield. And then there's also different Pokemon that are only available in Sword or Shield. So you would have to play those games, get them in those games, in order to use them in future games? Is that, am I understanding that correctly, or no? Well, you'd have to play one version, get that Pokemon and, and either trade with someone or trade with yourself if you were alone, I guess. Like digitally? But yeah, yeah. Oh. So you could trade You could trade Pokemon, uh, even dating back to those Game Boy games with those link cables that oh. that only work like half the time. Okay. Um, so it was a way maybe to force you to interact with people and, yeah. and share your adventures um, and buy more copies. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so that that is why we were told anyway that they came out with two versions and then a third special edition version. <laughs> Interesting. So as far as Pokemon's future, and I know that you know there's not a lot to talk right now. Uh, the new games came out not too long ago. Right. Uh, but what are kind of what are your hopes uh, for the future of it? So I mean, Pokemon is famously a series that doesn't take very big steps. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, they're they're of the thinking of if it ain't broke. Why mess with it? Absolutely. And you know what? It's it's been successful. It I, I would love, just love to have a truly open world Pokemon game. I mean, I think of like Breath of the Wild open world and just set that in the Pokemon universe somehow, and and, and my mind just goes crazy thinking about that. That would be amazing. Um, this this other one probably sounds even more far fetched, but I mean, a Pokemon VR experience could be pretty cool. That would be cool. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So there are different ways if Nintendo chooses to do that. Um, but the, like I said, the Pokemon company tends to not take very big risks. So if any of that happens, it'll probably take a while. Yeah. No, and it, it, it will. But uh, it, it's been fun to see. And, and I know how much. I just I didn't realize, again, being an outsider of it, uh, how big it really is uh i have so many friends uh both online and in person that um you know they they absolutely love pokemon they they they've been about it for forever and i'm just like man this is this is a legit thing like like you know my first instance of it was from my nephew like pokemon like i knew about them but i never 
never watched any of the shows, never did any kind of research whatsoever. So like truly my first experience of actually playing Pokemon was uh, Pokemon Go. So I will say I was their perfect customer. I had the games. I was collecting the cards. I was watching the show, seeing the movies. Got em. Yeah. <laughs> As I did reach out on social media asking people what some of their favorite Pokemon were. And the most popular answer I got was Eevee and the Eeveelutions. Hmm. Um, I got some votes for Vulpix and a vote for Charmander slash Charmeleon slash Charizard, okay. which, I mean, you know what? They're pretty cool, I, yeah. I must say. Um, I was always a Pikachu fan just because, I mean, you can't hate the mascot, right? <laughs> 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 I will say this, though. I do like Charizard a lot. Yeah, I like Growlithe. Uh, I've, I've kind of messed with him a little bit, uh, incinerator. I've gotten to play with him on, uh, uh, super smash. So like I've actually been able to play with a, a few of the characters, you know, having uh, smash and whatnot. So it's like, I, I had the connection there, but it's, 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 it's fun. Like it, for me, I'm very much an outsider, uh, looking in at, uh, Pokemon, but, uh, I understand why people enjoy it. And there are a lot of people that enjoy it. There are. All right. Now, so I think we can throw now to talk a little bit about league play. Uh, and obviously, uh, well, depending on what part of the world you're in, either busy weekend or not quite so busy past few weekends. Ryan, let's start with Overwatch. And let me just ask you, the coronavirus obviously is front and center across the globe. And you know, it's affected a lot of people, obviously, in a lot of different ways. The gaming industry is starting to feel those effects, both through league play, uh, especially in Asia, and some conferences having to deal with it. You know, it's it's a weird mix of 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 a different part of society kind of inter- now clashing with our little space in the world. Mm-hmm. How big of an effect do you think the coronavirus can have on some of these leagues? And, and what's the solution here? You know, I think it's going to, I mean, it it's clearly having an impact, uh, not only on the league, uh, but just gaming and conventions uh, alone. I, I, I spoke about, or we talked about this on uh, another podcast, the CFG Gamecast, we talked about how GDC, the the uh, uh, gaming developers uh, convention, uh, was postponed as of right now. I think uh, it got pushed back like six months. Uh, kind of like what I was saying on there. I think it was just kind of them not pulling the trigger and saying that the event is canceled. But hey, give us six months so we can kind of monitor si- the situation, and then we'll make a call from there. Um, you know that, uh, you know, E3 has had, uh, uh, people pulling out. Um, there's another one here, uh, in Vegas. I can't remember. I think they closed the, they, they ended up canceling the whole, do you remember what that was? Uh, so, uh, Adobe, Adobe. Can- is can- yes. yeah, canceled their, um, summit or whatever they call yes. it. Yeah. So I thought that was, so, I mean, people are in, and I think rightfully so, uh, again, this is a, a, a virus that is spreading, you know, rapidly. Uh, we don't know how severe it can get. I think, it, you know, I would rather be in the boat of being uh, cautious early mm-hmm. instead of being, you know, now I'm reacting to this thing that is way blown out. Um, right. So, you know, it, it's smart for the people to do it. It's not worth uh, the possibility of, of getting, uh, you know, people infected, obviously, uh, especially at conventions, people are coming from all over the world. So you don't know what people, you know, they may not know that they're sick yet or, or whatever. And then you're just spreading around the virus. I think it's, um, I think it's smart 
to do and 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 adobe and and it's not only adobe uh there's a couple other people and, and this is the other part that's gonna uh i think could be interesting is you know i you know i I know people don't necessarily want to cancel these events, but maybe it gives them a way to look to present them in a different way. I know Adobe is going to be live streaming uh, the their event or their conference uh, as opposed to it being in person, which is smart. You know, again, people are still able to to get that experience. Obviously, it's not going to be the full experience, but they're still able to at least get something. And I think people are going to understand, hey, this is for our safety. Uh, I'm still going to support this. You're still coming out and doing things. I think it gives people a unique opportunity to be able to present uh, whatever they have to present in a different way. So that it'll be interesting to see how, how things play out with this. Yeah, you know, we, we've seen some matches and some games go without fans so that the, it's just the players competing. Um, so, you know, may, maybe it's an online-only kind of a broadcast um, and, and maybe cut back on the number of people there in person. But it will be interesting. And it, it is of much less importance in the grand scheme of things because health, obviously, is always first and foremost. But how do you think this will affect scheduling? And, I mean, really, what what can you do if if matches start to stack and stack and stack of having to be rescheduled? Uh, I, you know, I, I think, I mean, again, we have the Internet. So if you can't if you can't figure out a solution utilizing the Internet where the people are still playing, they may not be physically in the same location or something like that. You know, there's there's still means to be able to keep the stuff running. But I mean, we know that, you know, there's there were three matches that were canceled uh, uh, over in South Korea and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, that was supposed to be happening. I, I can't see this not continuing to happen until they've they've uh, curbed this virus and have stopped the spread of it. I think it's wise. I think it's smart. Again, uh, we've got to think about people's safety, not only, you know, the players and, and the fans that are going to these events, but uh, everyone in general, because then you take stuff and then you spread it out all over the place, you know, where all over the world or wherever you're going to. Um, it's smart not to uh, uh, to go to these things. So. Right. So if there is a bright side, maybe it'll force some of these leagues to innovate a little bit in their broadcasting. And uh, maybe maybe we'll see some changes. Maybe maybe some good future developments will come from this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then as far as the actual like league play, it was week four uh, in Overwatch League. Um, pretty interesting. I think this was uh, in Houston. Houston was the uh, the homestand. We basically saw New York flex on uh, Florida 3-0. I mean, they straight flexed on them. Uh, Toronto got smashed up by Atlanta. London Spitfire taking 3-2 from Houston from the homestand. So, hey, uh, uh, well done, Spitfire. I know that they've been struggling uh, in match plays. Again, remember they had that they had that last game, and that kind of was that that you know that fire starter for them. Yep. I feel like for them, like all right, man, we can do things. You know, they kind of built their confidence a little bit. So I was glad to see that they were able to take a uh, to get a dub uh, against Houston. Uh, Boston got got obliterated by Phil. Phil Philly is is clearly the team uh, to beat this year so far. I mean, they are smashing up their opponents. Um, you had Paris taking on uh, Atlanta, so Atlanta ends up losing to Paris, uh, three to one, and then London uh, won 3-2 against Florida. So that's back-to-back -back dubs for them. So that's a that's huge. And then Houston, the homestand, they were able to take uh, they were able to win 3-1 uh, against Toronto. 
Yeah, you know, t- touching based on on London real quick. Yeah, obviously, you know, a, a win can do wonders for you. And and if you start stringing some victories together, and you do get that confidence starting to skyrocket, and all of a sudden, hey, you can make those special plays that you need to. Um, like just like we talked about, that one game last week can be that building block. And sometimes you just need to see any success, a little bit of success, and then you can start building on that. And you know, winning a couple matches now. I mean, hey, you know, you know, who knows what could happen with them? I mean, so getting that first victory is the hardest they say. So yeah, sometimes that that's all you need. And you're right, Philly. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, no, they're 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 ridiculous. Although they they will face a tough match uh, next week. Uh, the home stands back in Washington. Uh, they'll be facing uh, Paris this uh coming up week so paris has been uh let me take a look here in the standings but they've been doing pretty pretty well as far as um uh their their match their league plays and whatnot so i think that's going to be a little more of a challenging match uh for philly come uh sunday so that'll be a fun one uh new york's got one against uh washington the homestand so uh, uh, yeah, it'll 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 next week's next week's matches. You, you don't have any big clashes. I can kind of see how things will go. I think Toronto and Florida, who are who are uh, they're not doing the hottest this season. You know, they'll this will be a confidence booster for one of those teams uh, to be able to come in and and get a dub because I know they've been struggling this year. Yeah, you know, and when you are struggling, when you see a winnable match. You got to take advantage of it. You you got to get those wins when you can get them. And yeah, the, for the loser of that match, I don't know. I mean, that's that's it. He's gonna hurt. <laughs> 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 yeah, that that one is going to hurt. But I mean, again, it's a, it's a long season. You still have teams that haven't even uh, that haven't played yet either. Uh, that are over in uh, that are over in Asia that haven't played. You you get another uh, lower lower end one with Boston and Washington uh facing against each other Saturday uh early evening. So uh that that'll be nice for one of them to be able to uh uh get some get some forward momentum going uh in their league play. Exactly. Exactly. Now, moving on to our interview for this episode, uh another great guest. So Davis Cowles has been a very big figure in the high school esports scene here in Nevada. Uh, he helped found Silver State Esports, and they have 30 high schools signed up with their program. And they've hosted a couple different tournaments. Uh, they hosted a tournament at Level Up Expo, which they were nearing, if I'm remembering correctly, about 150 participants. Nice. And um, so they're, he, he's done a great job just, just getting and building a program for high school esport athletes, uh, giving them structure, giving them uh, an organized league to play in, and helping them kind of set on the path toward what could be in their future beyond high school. So this is our interview with Davis from the Level Up Expo, and we'll catch you on the other side of it. And welcome back. This is Lucas Agin with the Review Journal coming coming to you back from the Las Vegas Convention Center at the Level Up Expo. Davis, thanks for joining me this afternoon. No problem. I appreciate being here. How is the expo going for you so far? Uh, personally, it's been a little hectic to get all the high schoolers more involved and making sure that they know where they're going competing. But for the most part, it's been very enjoyable to see all the high schoolers having fun. You know, for people who aren't familiar, talk about a little bit what, you, what you're doing at so uh, a couple months ago uh, in May, I recontacted Colton, the owner of the Level Up Expo, to see if there's anything you do to help out the high school community. 
Uh, back then, I was only a junior in high school. I'm currently a senior. And so uh, in that time span, uh, I've been able to gather 30 different schools also going to be under Silver City Esports and uh, essentially be able to create events at GameWorks, UNLV, stuff for only the high schoolers to get them more involved into the community. And so uh, the big thing was a level up expo at like the end of the year to make sure that everyone involved can like could be on a big main stage and get that coverage. And so um, it's been really fun to see all the high schoolers coming out and making sure that they're having fun. You know, the, the last Silver State Smash you had over at GameWorks was a really big success there. How many people were you expecting when you started and were you surprised at how it's grown? Uh, we, from our first tournament back in October, we had the 74 entrants. And so we expected the second time around. Back then we only had about 20 schools, so this time we had 30. So we expected at least 100 to show up. But we almost reached 150, 145 entrants in total. And so um, for precautionary reasons, we already rented out the entire uh, GameWorks Esports Lounge in case that happened. And uh, at that same event, we had these uh, Letterman jackets passed out to all the high schoolers so that they could represent their school with their school logos on the back of them. You know, we've seen esports obviously grow by leaps and bounds here. Why was it important for you to start organizing at the high school level? Uh, high school level is a lot of the main uh, demographic for uh, video games and esports in general. And so we can get that sweet spot uh, right before they head off to college and we can uh, sort of introduce the idea of esports as a legitimate career for a lot of these high schoolers, whether it's competing, production, media, anything like that. We can get them interested in those things in the future. More opportunities will come in the future. Take me back to the beginning. When did you start to organize everything and how long did that take to kind of get everything together? So uh, my junior year of high school, I was the president of uh, WCTA, uh, my Smash Club. And so we just ran Smash Brothers tournaments and uh, when Smash Ultimate came out in 2018 in December, uh, I thought it'd be a really good idea since the game just released on the popular Nintendo Switch. I was breaking record sales uh, for everything. Uh, I thought it'd be a really good idea to get a lot of high schoolers involved within my school to see if they'd be interested in it. And at that tournament, just within West Tech, we had 60 entrants, which is, in terms of getting clubs involved, not like even CTSOs, like more organized clubs can get those kind of numbers. So it was definitely very impressive, not just for me personally, but for also the school that she sports as a, as a uh, potential career. You know, being a senior, what's coming next for you and, and, you know, with Silver State at the high school level, where do you hope to see that go? Um, I'm definitely contacting as many uh, partners to see what we can offer. Already contacted uh, Milo from 8-Bit Esports to provide uh, boot camps at UNLV for the UNLV teams coaching the high schoolers and to sort of direct them to continue a career in education to continue their esports career as well. And so I also contacted within the state of Nevada, UNR Esports, and also knows Nevada Esports, and uh, I'm talking with CSN right now for that college as well. And so also, like I said, other partners like Shogun and Gaming, they already have a junior team set up where they're feeding from Silver City Esports to make uh, sponsored teams that are under the age of 18. And um, for the most part, the community is very supportive. The community always, people wanted to contact me, see what they want to do to help out these high schoolers. And so uh, I always tell the high schoolers that we can push and promote these events, get them as many people to show up and compete as possible. Uh, more, win uh, more doors and opportunities will open for everyone involved, including the high schoolers. What's next for you personally after high school? For me personally, uh, I would definitely say I'm going to UNLV. I uh -huh. uh, already applied and already got in. I'm doing my uh, admission stuff right now. And I'm going to continue running Silver City Sports and uh, I'm going to do contact, like I said, with the partners. And uh, in college, I feel like I should have a little more free time than I currently do. So uh, it'd be good to definitely uh, maybe dedicate a little more time to this to make sure I can really flesh it out. 
you know, if we're talking five years from now, what's going to be different about the esports world at the high school level? At the high school level? Um, definitely the terms of uh, legitimacy. Mm -hmm. This year alone, since we've been able to get uh, varsity jackets for the top uh, players for every single one of their schools, we're obviously going to get more schools on board as the years go by, but also in quality in terms of what the events we're able to provide uh, through the partnerships with the Level Up Expo, GameWorks, uh, UNLV, whatever we can offer, that's definitely something we want to push and promote. And do you have any uh, events on the books here coming up soon? Um, for the most part, we have one coming up in, uh, I believe, April, over spring break, uh, at the Esports Arena. We're going to do a crew battle between the top 14 best Smash high schoolers, and we're going to rent out the uh, Esports Arena for that stage for a little bit of time so that we can have the best high schoolers face off against each other. Nice. So people who want to follow Silver State, how can they follow what you guys are doing? Uh, we have every social media. We have uh, Twitter and Instagram, both Silver State ES, uh, and then uh, our YouTube and Twitch channels as well. Uh, on YouTube, we upload the VODs of our tournaments, and then on Twitch, that's where we uh, cover the live streams. Uh, also, our website, you can look up Silver State Esports. Uh, that will be the first website link. And it also show you all the uh, all the photos and the galleries from previous and past events. And if any uh, potential students or teachers or parents watching this to get want to get more involved, definitely check out the website. Nice. You know, as a kind of a last question here, was it always your goal to get into this side of it, to the planning stage, and kind of organizing? And 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 how challenging and exciting is that part of it? Um, I found out pretty quickly I wasn't that good as a competitor, but I knew. Uh, within like religion, other esports, uh, or sorry, not esports, regular sports leagues like basketball and football, there's still a lot of work done behind the scenes. Mm -hmm. So I realized if I there's for either tournament organization, production, uh, or anything like that, there's still uh, opportunities for whoever wants to be involved. And so uh, that was really open up my opportunity when I was like, okay, I may not be the best at my school or even like within the like in the Las Vegas community, but I can still offer opportunities to get more people involved. Perfect. Anything else you'd like to add right now? Um, no, I think that's it. Perfect. Thank you for joining us. And welcome back. Thanks again, Davis. And, you know, it is truly amazing. It seems like one of those next steps in esports that you have to build out from the younger ages to kind of give them that organized league to help build for the future. Yeah, absolutely. And I thought it was pretty interesting, too, on, on some uh, more developing news uh, from that. I know that... Uh uh, them and uh, Vegas Inferno have partnered up. I'm not sure exactly what that looks like, but it basically created the Vegas Lions and that, you know, again, building up these kids uh, in esports uh, from this younger age, from a high school age and then taking it on. Again, if you guys are not taking esports and, and, and video gaming seriously, now is the time. It, it is, it is, it is going to be huge and it's it's already a worldwide you know a, a worldwide wide deal it's only going to get bigger and bigger uh the more money that's pumped into it uh you know there these are I, I could never imagine being a kid and saying you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna major in esports <laughs> exactly. exactly my parents would have looked at me so hard like mm -mm, not today uh, but it, it's it's fantastic that they're doing this and that they're seeing it uh, on on this education side of it as well and they're starting to incorporate it into schools and giving these kids new opportunities that uh, that are there and that are going to be growing and expanding as we uh, move forward in time. Exactly. Yeah, you know that announcement with Vegas Inferno unfortunately happened a week or two, a couple of days after that interview. But from the sounds of it, it it will go beyond just having having Vegas Inferno. 
a sponsored tournament. It sounds like it's a development program and not just on the gaming side, broadcasting side and on all that. So it sounds like the start of something to give these kids a look at all the avenues available to them, which is always good. Um, you know, it's funny, too, because uh, Davis was saying that they were handing out Letterman jackets to some mm-hmm. of the athletes, which I think helps legitimize. I mean, it seems really silly maybe to us as we get older. But, you know, when you're in high school, you see all the, the athletes with Letterman jackets. I still jackets. have my Letterman exactly. jacket. <laughs> exactly. So, you know what? To get stuff like that, I think, helps make it real in people's eyes visually and make it seem like like a thing instead of an abstract idea. Yeah, like, oh, okay, you guys are... are they're playing video games and no, there's a lot more to it. This is, you know, again, this is, uh, it's a sport. They are competing, uh, and, and some of the best, uh, uh, best video gaming athletes, uh, out there. So they are building them and, it, and it's always exciting to see something locally like this happening. Uh, I'm, you know, please let us know too, if there's other stuff like this happening in other cities, please hit us up on Twitter at, at land pot. Let me try that again <laughs> at land parties pod. Uh, on Twitter, let us know because I'm I'm curious to see where else you guys are starting to see uh, some of these programs and things like that pop up around the world. Yeah, we would love to hear about it. We'd love to go out to the local gaming community out here, guys. We're here to to tell and share your guys' stories, so we're all ears. Yeah, and I think that is going to do it for us here at Lamb Parties, Episode 7. Thank you guys again so much uh, for joining us. We hope you guys have a great rest of your week, and, uh, you know, we love your faces.